0: Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and coming up on today's show is the return of quite possibly the most popular segment on this show, The Top 5. The Top 5 is back, and this month I'll be discussing my Top 5 movies from the 90s, one of the hardest lists that I've ever had to put together. I love the 90s, grew up in it consider myself to be a 90s kid. So that's coming up a little bit later on in the show. But I wanted to start things off with a little bit of a, I'll say a tweak of what I've been promoting on social media. Originally, I was going to do my Oscars predictions, kind of like I did last year. I had a lot of fun doing that show. But I'll be honest, I'm not really feeling the Oscars this year. And I was last year to a point though not as much as I have in years past, and that's kind of what's been on my mind the last few days because I have watched several of the films that are up for awards, and some of them I actually like. I really like Judas and the Black Messiah. I think it told a, a great story. I mean, I know it's an adaptation of a true story, but I think it told it really well. It had the feel of an action film, which I thought was actually kind of interesting, and acting was absolutely incredible in it. I liked Trial of the Chicago 7. You don't really see movies like that anymore. The courtroom drama, like A Few Good Men, which is ironic because Aaron Sorkin wrote and directed this movie. And I I enjoyed it. I haven't seen Nomadland yet, but I know that's the projected winner for Best Picture. Heard nothing but good things about it. But I'll be honest, a lot of the films don't really appeal to me like they used to and that's something that I've noticed over the last several years because I remember you know as a teenager and even into my early 20s the Oscars was something that I looked forward to every year and that was because I felt like I had some type of an investment in it you know movies that I followed and saw that they would be up for these major awards or an actor that I would really like would be up for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Actress, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm not really feeling that this year, and I I think it's a combination of several things. I think the pandemic has something to do with it because I think the outlook, first of all, the way the awards would be presented would be very different because Steven Soderbergh, who's in charge of the production, has said that Zoom will not be utilized at all. In this, which I find very surprising because I know virtual has played a big role in like the Golden Globes and other award ceremonies that have been presented since the pandemic hit. So in that aspect, you know, you you have to look at it with that perspective in mind. But at the same time. The way it's kind of worked out is, I mean, some of the movies, I think that have gotten the notoriety would not have if not for the pandemic and other films were pushed back. But at the same time, there hasn't really been like nothing has really wowed me that have said, I have to see this movie. And that there's not really that much of a buzz around any of them. And it's disappointing because You know, I I liked the Oscars growing up. As I mentioned before, I felt like I had an investment in it. And since then, it's it's waned. And I, I think it has to do with not just the pandemic, but it's the notoriety of films. Because there are many different moviegoers. There are the artsy types, and I do like those types of films, too. But you look at things like WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier that have just kind of taken the country by storm in the fact that everyone talks about them. With WandaVision it was almost like, you know, those who remember when Lost was a big thing back in the early two thousands, when that show would come on, you had to watch it because it the next day, whether you were at work or you were at school, everyone was talking about it and theorizing on what could happen next and WandaVision recaptured that. And now with these most recent episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier, that's done that as well. And there have been other big budget movies that, yeah, are they beautiful pieces of art? Well, I would say yes in its own way, but that's what's so great about film is that film is so subjective. And I just feel like the way the Oscars have gone the last few years has really catered to a specific taste and I don't really like that and it's ultimately not up to me I'm just one person who's here expressing his opinion about it but I'm saying it as someone who likes film who likes the artistic side of it who uh, appreciates the artistic side of it I would just like to see something a little different from the Oscars I don't know if that's recognizing more blockbuster films. I don't know if that's adding new awards because one thing I think should be added with the Oscars. I think there should be a first feature film award for first time directors for a feature film. They should get the opportunity to win an award for that because that is a huge accomplishment. Just doing a film in general is, and even the short that I've done and the shorts that I've been involved with, those are a lot of work. I can't imagine working on a feature film for weeks, if not months, with shooting and then all the post-production process that goes along with it. I would love to see an award like that. I think it would be really cool and it would mean a lot for first-time feature filmmakers because, you know what, it is a big deal. Even if you get nominated for it, it's a big deal. So I, I don't know. I, I just personally think that the Oscars needs some shaking up. And I, I'm curious about it this year specifically because of the production that's going into it, like I mentioned with Steven Soderbergh. I'm curious as to how they're going to pull it off. I know they're going to be using multiple locations, but I'm curious as to how they're going to get around no virtual aspect of it whatsoever. But it's kind of sad to say that a filmmaker is watching the Oscars because he's more worried about how it's going to look or the curiosity of how it's going to look as opposed to who is going to win said awards. Not knocking the movies because, like I said, some of them I actually really like some of them I still want to watch. I haven't finished Mank yet. I do want to watch Nomad Land but I don't know it, it's it's just it's disappointing and it's just been racking my brain the last few days because I, I couldn't I couldn't do a traditional prediction show and next week I will do a reaction to the winners because I've still in my mind I've got you know who, I think should win. I mean, I think nomad land is going to win best picture just because that's the buzz that I've heard about it. I think trial of the Chicago seven should win uh, best screenplay. And I think Daniel Kaluuya should definitely win best supporting actor for his portrayal of Fred Hampton in Judas and the black Messiah. So I'll still watch, but I kind of look at, this is going to be a funny comparison. But I almost look at the Oscars like I look at pro wrestling. When I was a teenager, and even up until a few years ago, I was a huge fan. I would watch their shows almost every week, watch all the monthly pay per views. But over the last year, I couldn't tell you, but over the last year, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched an episode of Monday Night Raw couldn't tell you the last time I watched an episode of SmackDown. Even AEW, I haven't really been watching in the last several months. So, I don't know. I And I hope that something happens with the Oscars to make things different. I don't have high hopes for it, but who knows? I, I just, as a fan of film, I would like to see a little bit more done with it. So, that's really all I have to say about the Oscars. I'll still watch, but... I'll watch with middle-of-the-road expectations, is is what we'll say. But coming up next is a much better subject, and that is the return of the top five. Thank you guys so much for sending in your list. I enjoy the interaction that I get with you guys reading your lists and seeing how they differ from mine, because it honestly makes me think about my list as to whether or not mine is right or not. But that's the beauty of it. You know, your list might be very different than mine. That's what's great about it. It makes for great conversation. So without further ado, here are my top five movies from the 1990s. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. And next up is quite possibly my favorite segment that we do on this show It is The Top 5. I've said this before, but The Top 5 is something that I came up with during the early days of the pandemic. I started doing a Facebook Live morning show called The Daily Diamond, started it as suggesting things you can do while you're in quarantine, but then I decided randomly to do a Top 5 list and that took off and that was the format of that show from March until June and decided to bring it to this show as a monthly segment. And if you want the opportunity to vote on what the monthly top five discussion will be, just head on over to patreon.com slash There's a poll that I post every month with a few different options that you can choose from. And this is one, I feel like it's a cliche when I say it this way, but this was one of the hardest lists that I've had to come up with. And that is top five movies from the 1990s. I was born in 1986, so I can remember most of the 90s. I can even remember a little bit of 89 with some of the cartoons that I watched, but really 93, 94 through 99, I can remember a lot of big events that happened in a lot of movies that I watched. And what was great about the 90s, and I can say this about really any decade of film, but I can watch a movie and can guess pretty accurately what decade it was made in. The 90s have a very distinct film style to me, and I love them. There's a lot of movies that I love from the 90s, and this was really tough. I've actually got quite a few honorable mentions, which I will go through here just really quick. Uh, Honorable mentions for me are Twister. I didn't see this movie in theaters, but I remember it being a huge hit when it came out and saw it, on VHS, for those who can remember uh, that video medium when it was in its heyday, I remember watching it, and I thought you know the special effects even amazed me when I was a kid. That was what stood out to me, and even watching it now, I still think it holds up, and it's got a pretty good story to it too. I, I like Twister, Independence Day, one of the best summer blockbusters of all time. It's one of the first movies I think of when you mention the phrase summer blockbuster. I think of Independence Day, a fun sci-fi movie. And I know a lot of people may have this in their top five, or some people say it's one of their favorite movies ever. Shawshank Redemption, just one of the best movies ever made. And I'm ashamed to say I didn't see this for the first time until about six years ago, but I, I definitely saw the hype that it got from everyone that I know that's seen it. Again, this is another movie that, People I know say it's their favorite. I and mean, the acting's absolutely incredible in it. Terminator 2, one of the greatest sci-fi films ever made. And one of the best films from the 90s. It defined that decade to me. When I think of movies from the 90s, even though it's not in my top five, one of the first ones I think of is Terminator 2. And much like Twister, and even more so, in fact, the visual effects Still hold up to this day, you know that was revolutionary what uh, was done with the T1000, and it still holds up to this day. Pulp Fiction, which I personally think is Quentin Tarantino's best movie, love the chemistry with John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. A lot of people don't like Tarantino's style, from at least from people that I know. I know a lot of people who love Tarantino. I know people who hate Tarantino. He's, very black or white with him. There's really no in between when it comes to Tarantino. But I, I like Pulp Fiction quite a bit. Uh, Batman Returns, um, a movie that up until recently I didn't like as much as the original Batman or even, say, like a Batman Forever. I just, nothing really about Batman Returns really stood out to me compared to some of the other Batman films, but I did recently go back and watch it last year, and yeah, it's it's good. It's very good. Love Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Danny DeVito was perfectly cast as the Penguin. I'm hoping because they confirmed that Michael Keaton is returning as Batman in the Flash movie. I would geek out if they brought Michelle Pfeiffer back as Catwoman. That would just be such a cool moment for longtime fans of Batman. And of course, you know, Jurassic park. I remember very vividly watching that movie again on VHS uh, at my grandparents' house. A bunch of us gathered around the TV and watched it. And that shot where the, the banners draping over the T-Rex and it roars in the middle of the museum. It's, it's one of the most revolutionary films ever made. And the franchise is still going on to this day. But going into my top 5 and again this was really tough. But my number 5 and I feel like the 5 spot is always the hardest. You know, you can think of your top 2 or top 3 fairly easily, but once you get to 4 and 5 and you really list out everything you want to do, it's it can be tough because then you got to you got to make some cuts and it's it's not easy. But my number 5 is the Matrix. Um, I, again, did not see it in theaters, but I did watch it on video when it came out. I remember watching it at my uncle's house, and I was blown away by the visual effects. Is the acting the greatest? No, but it did revolutionize a style of filmmaking. When you see slow motion and you see weapons moving in slow motion or bullets moving in slow motion. That was all innovated by The Matrix. And I'm... I have a very mixed opinion on the sequels. There are moments from them that I like, but I don't think either of them are as strong of a movie as the original. Hopefully they'll get back to that with The Matrix 4, which I believe is rumored to be called The Matrix Resurrections. I'll be stoked to see that when it comes out but I I enjoy the original Matrix quite a bit number four is The Big Lebowski probably my favorite comedy or one of my favorite comedies of all time my my number one might be my favorite but you have the combination of Jeff Bridges John Goodman and Steve Buscemi it doesn't get a whole lot better than that and I'm a Jeff Bridges mark to use a, a wrestling term Basically, I'm a Jeff Bridges fan. If Jeff Bridges is in something, I'm going to watch it because I just enjoy watching Jeff Bridges act. I enjoy watching Jeff Bridges be Jeff Bridges. And there's so many great quotes that you could get into, you know, like, well, that's just like your opinion, man. Or am I the only one here who gives a, about the rules? You know, things like that. That movie's just so quotable. And there's so many moments you can think of. And the soundtrack, I think, is pretty underrated too. But The Big Lebowski is a movie that I can just pop in and I can have it as background noise, but there are certain moments that I sit down and I watch every time. One being, hey, you want a toe? I can get you a toe. My number three is Aladdin. I had to throw a Disney movie on here just because Disney was so prevalent in the 90s. But uh, I remember very vividly seeing... Aladdin in theaters and loved the characters still probably my favorite characters of any Disney movie I love the story with Aladdin how he came from nothing to winning the heart of Princess Jasmine I thought Jafar was one of the more interesting villains uh, which was a a knock that I had with that character in the live-action version because I really like the live-action version but I just didn't care for the actor who played Jafar because he wasn't menacing enough but you watch the animated version, Jafar is pretty intimidating. And of course, you know, I, I have to mention Robin Williams is the genie, arguably the most iconic performance in any Disney movie. I love Aladdin, had it on TV the other day. It's just so fun. Watching. I wish that I could have been in the studio when Robin Williams was recording his lines for that movie. Because I know there are videos on YouTube, and it's, it's just magic. And I, I miss Robin Williams to this day. He was one of my favorite actors. Number two is a movie that I've talked about quite a bit on this show, but it's the first movie I ever saw in theaters, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live-action film. I was so excited to see this movie when it came out. I love the Ninja Turtles. I loved everything about them from the comics the cartoon, the action figures, movies, all of it. If Ninja Turtles was on the the box, or whatever it was, I had to have it. And I remember my mom and my aunt taking me to this movie. And it's pretty dark compared to the animated series. Because if you look back at the original comics in 1984, it was a very dark series, and was really meant almost as a parody of Daredevil. When you look at you know, the group, the hand from Daredevil, then you have the foot in Ninja Turtles and other you know references like that too. But It's a movie that, again, I can quote so much. I know almost the entire movie by heart because I've seen it so many times. And to me, they haven't been able to top it with other Ninja Turtles movies. There have been some that are good, but when you look at all the films that have been released, I think you got to put the original at the top. It had such a unique charm. Just the way it was made and what the filmmakers had to go through in order to make it happen make me appreciate it more as an adult than I did as a kid. And uh, myself and my friends Jason and Wally talk about this movie quite a bit on a roundtable show we did uh, back in November on this movie. So you can go back in the archives and check that out for a pretty in depth discussion on this movie, but I I love this movie so much. It's not just one of my favorite movies from the nineties, but one of my favorite movies of all time. But my number one is in my top two when it comes to my favorite movies of all time. And that is clerks written and directed by Kevin Smith. I did not know that this film existed until I was in high school when I saw Jay and silent Bob strikes back. And I remember being really fascinated by the film and the fact that it felt so real in a way. You know, I'm talking about Jay and Silent Bob. The scene at the beginning at Quick Stop, with you know the conversations that Dante and Randall were having with the customers. It it felt almost like I was watching something in an actual convenience store. So I did more digging on Kevin Smith and. A couple of years later, the 10 year anniversary edition of Clerks comes out and I buy it because I see that it has the Jay and Silent Bob characters and fell in love with it. Let's say five to 10 minutes into the movie. I knew that I was in for something special. And the fact that, you know, a lot of people can make films happen now because of resources and also the advantage of technology. Because you can really make a film on your iPhone or Android or whatever you might have. But back in the 90s, you, know, you had to really have money and the right gear in order to make it happen. And the fact that Kevin Smith maxed out his credit cards and cashed in a lot of favors and used resources that he already had. To make this film happen, you know, it's when I think of indie movies, I think of Clerks because it's really special what they did. And the fact that there's so many characters in that film that everyone can relate to from you know Dante, who doesn't want to be at his job and wants to do more, but might be a little too scared or maybe even too content to do something about it. Everybody knows a Randall, the the douchebag friend who's not afraid to speak his mind so many great characters and such great dialogue in that film too. You know, I I always think of the, the star Wars discussion about the independent contractors working on the death star. It's like, those are conversations that friends and I have, you know, at school or at work or, you know, online, whatever the case may be. It just makes it relatable to so many people. And it's also the film that inspired me to want to make movies so that is why it's my favorite film of the 90s. And it's in my top two when it comes to just favorite movies of all time. But that is my top five. Again, that was, that was really hard. This could have easily been a top 10. And I probably could have had at least five honorable mentions. But to go through the list that you guys, the viewers and listeners, sent. First up, we have Josh Shinowork, friend of the show. His number five Dazed and Confused, fantastic movie. Number four, Pokemon the First movie, another movie I can remember seeing in theaters very well. Number three, Jurassic Park. Two, Terminator 2, and his number one is Clerks. I like that list a lot. That is extremely solid. And Pokemon the First movie would be an honorable mention for me as well. You know, I I remember thinking maybe I was a little too old for the Pokemon phase because I was... 12, 13, whenever Pokemon hit the states, but I was so big into video games that I heard so many people talking about it that I had to try it, and I was hooked. And I I still, I'm a fan of Pokemon, the first movie. The the first two movies specifically are, are pretty solid. Carlos Longoria, another friend of the show, his honorable mentions are Batman Returns, Groundhog Day, Total Recall, Pretty Woman, and Clueless. His number five, Silence of the Lambs, Clarice. Number four, Mrs. Doubtfire. Three, Forrest Gump. That's, that's a fantastic movie. Forrest Gump is so, so good. Number two, Jurassic Park. And number one is Pulp Fiction. Wally Phelps, the official fact checker over at my other show, the Nerd Cave Retro podcast. The Matrix, Mallrats, Jurassic Park, Friday... And The Crow. The Crow's a good one, too. I can remember watching that on TV late at night when, uh, when I was younger. Crow's a really good movie. And, of course, the inspiration for uh, one of my favorite wrestlers, Sting, to reinvent his career in the late 90s. Jason Robbins, my co-host over at the Nerd Cave Retro Show. In no particular order, Pulp Fiction, Jurassic Park, Clerks, In the Mouth of Madness, and The Matrix. Wade Vatican, number 5, Braveheart, number 4, Forrest Gump, 3, Batman Returns, 2, Independence Day, and number 1, Jurassic Park. Next up, we have uh, at axeblade 7 on Twitter. He's a friend of this show as well as NerdCaveRetro. His list is The Green Mile. Some of the best acting I've ever seen from a single character uh, with Michael Clark Duncan. Big Lebowski, Blade, which I'll get to Blade in a second, Braveheart, and Shawshank Redemption. Everyone wants to credit X Men for being like the first notable superhero movie to really kickstart that genre, but Blade came out a couple of years prior, and Blade is a really solid movie. You know, from the the first moment you see him when the camera pushes in through the crowd of vampires and you just see him standing there looking like the badass that he is. And he just wrecks the whole place. And it, it's, got, it's got some really good moments in Blade. And I, I'm curious to see what Marvel does when they, uh, they reboot Blade uh, here in the next few years. But finally, we have Tyler Watson... Also, a friend of the show as well as Nerd Cave Retro. Number five, The Matrix. Number four, Tombstone. Three, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Two, Aladdin. And number one, Jurassic Park. I knew I'd see Jurassic Park quite a bit on these lists. I mean, it's Jurassic Park and Terminator 2 are films that I really think set the standard for special effects because you watch those movies now they still hold up. And I, I think for having the technology that they had in the early 90s is absolutely incredible. But as you can see, there's just a ton of great movies from from the 90s. It was really tough, and I'm very curious to see uh, what we pick for next month's top five. So if you like to participate in the voting on top five list, as well as access to um, my film scripts, the opportunity to ask guests of the show a question on the show, early access to episodes, eligibility to win prizes. Just check out patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast and sign up. But I also understand that times are tough, and if you can't, if you would, please leave a review. I'm on all forms of podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond podcast. And of course, thank you to my close friends. And also, if you want to watch my first short film, The Parker Syndrome, which I've talked about quite a bit on the show, it is now available to watch on YouTube. Just subscribe to Anchor of Reality Films on YouTube, and you can check out both the trailer and the full film for The Parker Syndrome. And of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music. Google Play and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.